welcome to death row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna your fucking ass! You don't got your playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. Well, rich baby. I would like to introduce. Welcome to the MA4 Money Show, episode 42. In this show, we will review UFC on ESPN 11, Blades vs. Volkov, and preview UFC on ESPN 12, Poirier vs. Hooker. I am Bob Voss, your favorite garbage man at MMA State of Mind, here with Mike Copenhaver. You can find him at Don't Cope Just Win on Twitter. Also, please, 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 please follow the show on Twitter at MMA4MoneyShow. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing absolutely amazing, man, especially after the great weekend we had for the MMA for Money team. Uh, I told I told and tweeted everybody out one hour before the, the race on Monday that uh, to go get your packages from Prime. And uh, not very, you know, some people listened, some didn't, but you guys sure did regret it because uh, he cashed another one. Not only did he cash on Monday's race, but he cashed on Saturday. And for, it was a plus 2200 altogether for the weekend. Uh, we broke even, but it still was a great weekend for the MMA for Money team. So make sure you go to MMAformoney.com and get yourself a package because Prime is the real deal. Absolutely. Proven long-term winner. Uh, you can just scroll back and see just see how he just seems to win and win and win and win. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen him not win a large sum of money over the course of a NASCAR season. And like Mike said, we ended up breaking even, but obviously breaking even is way better than losing you guys money. Uh, and if you just count primes, then we are way up on the weekend, but we're not just going to do that. We're going to get you guys more winners, more bets all coming up here. But you know what? It's Wednesday, so you know what that means. The MA4 Money Show is here. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, a straight RSS feed. We are also on YouTube, but full-length shows as well as small tidbits to get your quick fix subscribe and never miss a show like and comment and share to spread the word please but we're going to jump right into blades versus volkov not the fight but the fight card a lot of these are going to be quick discussions so we can get into the meat of this card and move on to the next one but starting off with a little bit of controversy more just people's uproar after the fact austin hubbard was a plus 160 underdog and actually looked very much it in the early goings of the first and start of the second round against max still can't pronounce the last name sorry dude i'll get there uh, radar i believe the nickname is minus 185 hubbard got a tko via retirement or towel throw in or whichever way you want to put it max quit on the stool in between the second and third round after an, nearly an entire minute of Drysdale trying to convince him to go back out there, but from sheer exha- exhaustion, and I don't know what else, decided to quit on the stool. I don't have too much to take on this other than the fact that I was thinking about betting Hubbard at underdog just because he's more proven in the UFC, which the first round I would have regretted betting him and then ultimately been justified in betting him, but ended up not betting him. So I guess I got nothing to say on it whatsoever, but I will throw it to Mike because Mike, I know you have some very uh, strong feelings one way or the other on this very, very first fight of Blades versus Volkov. I just want to apologize to all the American wrestlers out there who are true American wrestlers who don't quit and keep pushing through every single hardship and every single bad position they've ever been in. Uh, Max Roscoff does not deserve to be in the UFC. He is not UFC caliber. I don't want to hear any excuses from anybody for this and that, his back, his this, his that. I mean, you guys are fighters. You signed up to be a fighter. Bob signed up to be a trash man. I designed up to be a Union 44 carpenter. You see how that works? You know, I didn't choose to go come back and get my face punched in for little dollars. I, I'm so absolutely disgusted with uh, the performance that he showed the world and also uh, disrespected Professor Drysdale with the just the most disgusting quit I've ever seen from any wrestler, any anybody ever almost, man. It was it was just despicable. I uh, 
I'm I'm at a loss for words for how disgusting it is, dude. And I I'll, I'll get whatever hate for it or whatnot. But that truth's the truth. This guy's a quitter. He will quit again. This is a mental thing. He doesn't have the mental game. He can go get a sports psychologist. He can go to the train and run as many laps as he want. He's never getting. He's never gonna have it to be the man in this in this upper echelon of the sport. Uh, I I just he's disgusting. Obviously, a lot of emotions have gone on and debate on Twitter about multiple, multiple things in regards to this fight. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a step back. Obviously, I have never fought and I have barely trained in many forms of martial arts, very minimally in a select few. So I can't say much in that regard. All I do have to say is I understand he was exhausted. Totally get don't understand what that's like uh, in the stool at that point, but with how dominant he was in the first round, clear first round for him, in my opinion. Obviously, he had success in the early goings of the second, and then Hubbard really stepped it up. So in all seriousness, it was one and one. If he was just head to the grindstone, wanted to just take Hubbard down and just lay and pray for a round, he wins his UFC debut, in my opinion. And the difference in stressing ability was that staggering in the early goings that I think even tired could have been able to get him down. But at some point, you can't push your guy out there to that degree like either you have that portion of it in you or you don't um i do think it's uh rough for him because he's gotten harassed so much that i believe he deleted his twitter and has kind of just gone into the ether so well, I mean, that I, that just proves my point of being mentally weak he, he yeah. can't even face that music everyone you can lose you come back and and, and be uh, a champion after that but this guy doesn't have it he isn't it this is another one of those drop me in alley uh, after seeing this performance i would never ever bat, bat, bet max roscoff in my life i'm disgusted that I even fake picked him just because he was in a USA wrestler, because that's how much I love wrestling and jujitsu. He's disgusting. But the pick, I don't know, the pick had legs early going. I was actually surprised how easily he went down. Honestly, I think his biggest issue in the fight, obviously he quit on the stool, but the biggest issue for him was he went for so broke for like transitions into certain submissions in the first round that would just do nothing but burn energy. If he would have just tapered back just a little bit, he was so much better on the ground and with the wrestling. It's like he could have clearly won that fight and kind of had an early easy going of it. He just decided to go to that next level to go for the finish and burnt himself out. You can tell even, I think it was the last 30 seconds of the first round where they ended up on the feet. He was breathing heavily and started hit, getting hit with some shots and tried to shake them off, but they just started piling on. It was, it, it was getting rough after that. And then, yeah, getting full blown shot, even in the early going, like the first half of the first, second round, you're like, okay, he's still good. He's tired. He's probably gassed, but he's good. I, it's so infrequent that it happens. You were just kind of shocked at how like dismayed he was in between the second and the third. And uh, half of you need to calm down right now because remember I'm here to entertain, and uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's the 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 point is is that he disgusted me as a wrestler. I just it's disgusting to watch what I've seen uh, last weekend compared to all the badass wrestlers that are in the U.S. United States of America and also other fighters that deserve to be in the UFC on short notice that didn't get the call. So obviously I don't, I I understand he's a fighter. He deserves respect. My brother was a fighter. He didn't get any respect. So I don't know what you want now. You, <laughs> it's like we, you get respect when you want it. You give it when you don't. I don't. It is what it is, dude. The fact is, he's a quitter. He he's disgusts me. Next up is a fight that I'm currently playing. I'm just reading the result because we weren't too gung ho on it anyway i think we picked on opposite sides but this was not really a fight we cared about too much it was roxanne Montefiore, slight favorite uh, against lauren murphy and lauren murphy got the unanimous decision win yay so, i finally won <laughs> yeah you finally picked the lauren murphy fight right <laughs> yeah even though i dude i and i this is coming from someone who despises it and i still had the clarity of mind to edge it but it was a close one if, if roxanne had a little bit more um striking game it would have been hers for sure Oh, absolutely. Or at least just a little bit of power behind the shots. Like you'll notice that in like a couple fights we're going to talk about later where you just have guys that they can land, but if they don't have the all around game to go with it, it's like if they don't have the power to go with it, it's if you're not making your opponent back up by hitting them with some serious power, it's like they're just going to keep coming after you. Next up, we had a bet, but then it didn't happen because there was a canceled fight and... And they're getting waylaid. Uh, Frank Camacho originally was a slight underdog against Matt Frivola. We liked Frank Camacho. But you know what? 
Matt Favolva bounced out. They had a last-minute replacement. And they even talked about it beforehand in the broadcast that his plan was to go for broke in the first minute. And he did, and he ended up knocking out Frank Camacho. So kudos to Justin Janes. Jesus and Christ. Dude, the very first th- the if you rewatch it, like the very first strike he throws lands and lands super clean. And he's it, off balance ever since that point. And then there's two more shots ending with the hook before he kind of faded back towards the fence and then never actually fell all the way down, but the ref ended up calling it and he was clearly out of it. But... I mean, so I I still think Camacho with the game plan and how Frivola fights would have had that fight. But at some point, it's MMA. You bum rush a guy and you land clean twice and he's on Queer Street. It's like you win the fight. So kudos to Justin James. Um, I would need to see him actually with a full training camp and see how he actually fights rather than just a bum rush finish. You didn't get really get much out of this one. So Mike, got anything in this one or we will move on? Oh, I got a lot on this one. I mean, Jay Janes, dude, son of a bitch, dude. You took my boy from Guam and you straight murked his ass. Like, I cannot believe what I saw, but I could. But I just didn't want to believe it. And it was just, it was absolutely amazing, dude. I mean, even my boyfriend Camacho was just like, what in the fuck is this dude coming at me so fucking aggressive for so fast? I did. This was not what I wanted to do. I had, I was trying to not be aggressive because I've been so aggressive. And now that's backfiring against me because my game plan was to calm down and maybe, you know, go a few rounds before I get a little too crazy and blow my gas. Now this backfired on him completely. He fucking just gets smoked. Absolutely murked. It was unreal. It was, I believe it was two. It was a left hook. And a left hook immediately that dropped him initially. Somehow Frank Camacho had the balls to get back up and also take a little bit more pounding. I uh, The stoppage was perfect. It was absolutely amazing uh, by the ref. But Jay Janes is a son of a bitch, dude. That guy. And I don't mean any disrespect, Jay Janes. So don't be coming at me with your fans all hooting and hollering about me calling you son of a bitch. Your mom's probably a great woman. Positive. It's a, it's yeah. a positive. I'm just saying. You, you, you're, you fucked my boy up, dude. You straight murked him. Like... I, I, I think he should retire. Sad to say, I love you, Frank. Well, you can't expect someone in their UFC debut to just sprint across the cage to like a staunch veteran who's had numerous UFC MMA fights and the dude just came straight at him. Like you could just tell on Frank's Left face, hook. he was not ready for it. Left hooks are son of a bitches, dude. Like they come out of nowhere and not just one came, it was back to back. Like you don't see someone throw... Uh, back-to-back left hooks often it was a it was pretty impressive like i said i don't have much more on him in the sense of he, we didn't see him roll we didn't see him scramble much um so i'd, I'd be curious to see him on a full camp but frank camacho is no joke dude i mean i i, I mean no disrespect to him uh you know, like i said i back all my boys from guam and on the island i picked frank camacho uh to win his fight versus Favola. i did not i did i definitely backed him uh, on this fight period I don't know if I would have laid that money line down on him, though. So either way, great fight by Jay Janes. I'm mad respect to Camacho, but I just uh, enough punishment. Next up, since this one ended up changing so much, the previous one, this was our first bet on the fight card. And yes, it was a loss. We knew Courtney, Courtney Casey did not have amazing takedown defense, but we knew that she would likely be bigger, longer, and had a better chance in the long run, but she just was never able to get going. She did have a somewhat close uh, arm bar. I don't care if it was in the second or the third, which would have turned it all around, but she was a plus 100 underdog against Jillian Robertson, minus 120. Robertson ended up getting a sub with 28 seconds left. In the fight, I'm honestly very surprised that with that amount of time left, I mean, as far as I know, Casey maybe didn't, wasn't cognizant of how much time was left, but they've ride it out to a decision. I mean, she was still going to lose the decision, but I mean, it was 28 seconds. Um, yeah, obviously, Courtney got pretty much destroyed from pillar to post. She should have been a much bigger underdog in this scenario, and she... Man, she just looked bad. Um, I knew she'd get, like I said, we. I knew she'd be taken down, but I just thought in the long run, the fight would be hers. And damn, was I wrong. <laughs> Mike, what do you got for uh, Casey versus Robertson and that rear naked choke at the end? It was absolutely disgusting to watch this performance as well. This is on. The, this is another Max Rokoff type quitting situation. The tapping with 28 seconds to go, and like. 
I guess Robertson did have a decent like position. She had a weird position where she had her hooks look like one hook definitely it was like in, but it was pressed up on the upper thigh, pushing downward for pressure as she was choking upwards on the neck. But she quit mentally because she was whining and crying about the coach in the corner before she got up uh, after the tap. She quit in there completely. She did have a better striking game than Robertson. She was piecing her up every time she did get a chance, but it wasn't. It was far and few, and it wasn't enough. And it was a pathetic performance by her. I'm disgusted that all the UFC experience that she has, that she didn't realize that she needs to go take wrestling serious. It's it's pathetic, and I'm sorry for the one unit loss there. But at least we got it back on the next one. Next up, I'm just gonna read the results on this one because even when we picked, we were kind of just pushing past this fight. Mark andre Baralt was a slight underdog, but he finished Whoa. it with an uppercut. Whoa. I did not just pick. I straight out said this was the, this was the in the alley theory, bro. This was one of them. I, Dude, said, I thought I thought you're in the alley theory was for Emmett. That was too. I think I know. I think it was Burial. I don't think it was. Uh, uh, I don't I think thought it was Emmett, Emmett oh, well, and uh, it no, was Burial. No, Torres was the the it vet. Was, was the OG. Me, it was Burial because I went on about Pinocchio, Pachocchio, or whatever his name was, and I said that there's no way that that dorky dude would in an alley that that's the dude you're gonna pick. But Mark Andre Boliart Burial, he he got himself clipped a few times, scared the shit out of me. But he eventually ended up uh, coming through and smashing that dude. But not well, much more to say. The guy in the alley. It doesn't matter if he gets clipped a few times. Oh no! There's too much rage behind those eyes for the yeah. clips to stop them. If it's yeah, I, the alley. my point exactly. But either way, the alley theory has held an incredible percentage rate. So I'm going to start betting every single one of those where I feel like drop them in an alley, and that's going to be a bet. Especially if they're un- an underdog, because that's just a gut feeling there. And as much as breakdowns are a thing, and analysis is a thing, sometimes your gut is the thing you absolutely have to go with, no matter, like sometimes there's just things that aren't telling you, like going back to way back when, I eventually chickened out and didn't actually make the bet, but the gut feeling that Roxanne Montefiore was going to be Macy Barber, didn't end up betting it, that was a plus 700. I know. So I sometimes you can't let odds mess with a gut feeling when it's proven to be right in the past, just like with Mike's uh in the alley theory like we were racking our brain i actually have to go back and check but i could think of i over the history of the show i could think of maybe one time at most two where it didn't hold true and there's at least one or two of those picks per fight card and we're on episode 42 here so and, that's and a pretty talking, high percentage and we're talking like s- some big calls where i said like cody garbrandt versus dominic cruz when mm-hmm. i said dude i i know cruz personally i'm telling you right now he is not that guy. He's a great he's a great dude to whoever he wants to be a great dude to. He worked hard especially, he's professional, but he ain't the guy that we want he wants to be in the alley versus fighting some dude. Absolutely. Now the next fight was Tisha Torres was a big underdog, plus one sixty five. Not crazy, but pretty big against Brianna Van Buren. People were pretty high on Brianna Van Buren. Uh she was minus one ninety because she, everyone thought she was so big, she'd be able not to me. pin Tisha not Torres. Me. The not but me. She only did it for one round. And then Tisha Torres was too fast and too much of a veteran to like win those positional battles against the fence in the later goings and clearly won the second and third and ended up with a unanimous decision win. So she snapped a losing streak and she keeps her ranking, I suppose. So, Mike, this was one of your uh, never discount the OGs bets picks type scenarios was an official bet but for sure a pick so mike by all means talk about how the tiny tornado whooped on some uh van beer in there oh man tisha torres to me looked better than i've ever seen her ever period she looked mentally more confident she was more aggressive she was she was the tiny tornado for real for the first time that i've seen in five years or more i was super impressed by her i uh uh, aren't very often impressed by someone so small, but her and Van Buren were they were getting at it in the first round. But once the experience factor kicked in that Tisha Torres had in her confidence, she just literally uh, implied a great kick game, great distance, and she also just uh, you know in the scrambles was amazing. So I, I was super impressed by her, and I couldn't believe the the plus money that most people got on her, and that's why I just said it. There's no way that uh, I could go with Van Buren at that number. I'd have to pick Tisha Torres every time. And, and that's what I said last week. And that's exactly what happened. And just wish that I threw the money down myself instead of being a little ho. 
Next up, Clay Guido was a plus 215 underdog against Bobby Green, minus 255. Green ended up with the decision win there, but honestly, it was much closer than I think a lot of people picking Green thought it would be. Guido kind of dominated the wrestling and won the first round, in my opinion. And there were several exchanges that if certain... I guess certain takedowns lasted longer or a few, like the, the harder part was uh, Green was landing the bigger shots and some big knees uh, over the course of the second and third round. So he eventually got the decision, but it was pretty close. And knowing Green's track record, it could very well have been a split decision a loss and the one on his record, just the way judges are. But he gets the win. And honestly, I watched the fights uh, after the fact in individual form. So if you watch this live, Mike, you can give a better gist of it. I heard he gave a big post-fight speech that was fairly moving and good. I, I did not see it. I uh, just strictly watched the fights after the fact. So if you know that, by all means, break into it or just talk about the fight. You're talking about the post-fight interview with Bobby Green and his cornerman that was a, a white man, right? Uh, yeah, I I didn't see the full the every single wording of it, but it's basically just about what everybody should be speaking about is that uh, between your white, Asian, black, um, Hispanic, I I I don't look at that man. I most people shouldn't. You, that's something that's is kind of taught. The um, there's definitely racism going on in the world all over, and and definitely my uh, my, my African American friends um, they they definitely have it a little bit harder in uh, the certain places that uh, the demographically are, are pro- mostly black when i worked in inglewood and compton the bunch of wonderful families uh awesome community but remember there, there's there's not a lot um for them that's offered for them to to keep pushing on and advancing which i totally agree with them and see their what they're saying that you know the cops profile them they definitely do um it, it happens all the time it's it's scary it's scary enough when someone pulls up behind me on the freeway or in the streets it's a cop and he's just looking for me to do one wrong move to get me to go the, uh to, to do something wrong so he can get me a ticket and this is coming from an lapd officer's son so i uh, i definitely see there's a lot of great police officers and, and uh firemen but um there's a lot of great police officers who know there's are bad eggs around and they still protect the crew so I I just mostly he was preaching love and love is oh, is most powerful. I love all my friends, all races. I don't look at none of that. I feed them all. And I think that's the approach that most people should have. But uh, everyone's feelings are valid. So I don't ever like to discount anyone uh, lashing out or whatever it may be. I just uh, I, I don't like our, our cities getting uh, uh, hurt and our shop owners and stuff like that. But uh, protesting and doing whatever you need to do is fine. But preach love and not hate. Yeah, we'll have a little perspective on the riots and stuff like that on a fight later on in the card that I completely forgot. I knew the news, but completely forgot about till in broadcast. But uh, before we get to that point, uh, Roosevelt Roberts, touted prospect, minus 225 favorite over veteran Jim Miller, plus 185. Jim Miller gets that first round arm bar with a slick transition, and it is beautiful. I love myself and Jim Miller. I had no bet on this fight, but I remember saying I wanted Jim Miller to win. I'm so happy that he won. Man, I love you some Jim Miller. I'm happy with him fighting like once, twice a year against a guy with no experience or little experience and just getting that slick sub. I love it. <laughs> it was it it was incredible, bro. And uh I uh I got my knee pads out and and I and I and I dropped down and I was I was stroking the Roberts little, little jock strap a little bit too much, you know, last last week. I but I did say I wanted Miller to win as a fan. He's a great person and that, that I wish that he would. I really thought that Roberts had some talent and, and could do something. But, dude, you, like we always say, you don't count those OGs out, bro. They've learned some things and situations and positions that you just haven't learned yet. And Jim Miller taught the kid a lesson real fast. And that broke some parlays like nobody's business. Oh, yeah. Tons of people had Roosevelt Roberts in parlays that I saw. Um, I would never do it because I'm always worried about uh, prospects that are untested. Um, that's bit me in before in the past, missing out on some good paydays of going for the prospect that was ready, but I guess here ended up working out. I do still think that he has quite a future ahead of him. He's still super young in the sport. He just got to shorten up a little bit of uh, his submission game, uh, especially the defense, because his striking and his reach is still great. It's just that Jim Miller got inside of it so fast that he wasn't able to establish his range. 
But moving on, like we had said, someone has dealt with a little bit of the riding and the issues. Uh, Lyman Good was a plus 100 underdog against our bet, second bet of this fight card. Bilal Muhammad was minus 120. We had him to win one unit. He win the unanimous decision victory. But they said in the broadcast, and I forgot about this news that came out, that during the rioting in Chicago, Bilal Muhammad's da- dad's shop that he has in the downtown that they've had for, I want to say, they said, 30 years i might be off in the time from there i apologize but got completely gutted and destroyed in the riots that are downtown sorry i sorry chicago sorry i live in the suburbs so when i say downtown i mean chicago sorry um it i saw he posted pictures and man it just looked awful and the fact that he had all that going on and he still came and performed and performed amazingly he clearly won the first two rounds third one was a little bit hit or miss because uh, Good was able to land some serious shots and put him going backwards. What um, Bilal Muhammad had going in the first two rounds is he was doing great at circling away and taking away some of the power of Good and landing more shots, whereas Good was able to land in the third round and make uh, Muhammad back up a little bit and kind of took him out of his element, but he had hit that key takedown, uh, the tail end of the third round, to protect his consciousness, basically. Uh, he was a little bit on Queer Street there towards the end, but got the NAM decision win and cashed that bet for us uh, with just the two bets. The one and one canceled each other out, so we ended up just straight even. But, hey, again, way better than losing money. Mike, what were your thoughts on this fight? Uh, how, I was going to say how good good looked, but it's bothering me the way that said. So how well good looked. I'm just going to go with Muhammad. Screw it. How did Muhammad look? <laughs> Well, man, I, I'm super impressed with Bilal, the, mem- the remember the name Muhammad. I uh, spoke super highly of him just for his dedication that uh, he, he pushes so hard for his religion and uh, Ramadan and doesn't eat and doesn't uh, partake in certain uh, food that he sh- that most other people would, especially during a fight camp. It, that's the heart we bet on. That's exactly why we picked him in this fight was that because we knew that we could trust all three rounds. Bilal Muhammad was going to be there and give us uh, a great performance. But Lyman Good looked a lot better than I initially w- thought. And I also was pretty impressed with him as well. And it, it was a great performance. I wouldn't. Have, it was another fight where I would have been okay with the draw. Um, I, I wanted the win for the the team, and I wanted the win f- to split one and one to go uh, with a zero unit loss or win. So I mean, I'm glad we got the win. I I, I edged it slightly for Bilal, but I I wouldn't have been mad at a draw, and and I just really wish that they would uh, hand out more draws on the scorecard. But I, I just love Bilal Muhammad, especially for uh, taking that loss, I believe, to Jeff Neal, and then he goes down there and trains with him right after and requests him specifically to show him uh, what he lost. Uh, or what he beat him with so people like that are just winners in my eyes whether he uh wins or loses in life now he's just always going to be a a winner if he keeps that type of attitude and determination and lyman good too uh, definitely a higher ceiling now i think the biggest issue with lyman good at least for me is that he's already 35 like i wish i know he was in He's one of the, I think he was the first or one of the first welterweight champions in Bellator way back when. I wish he would have been in the UFC developing then. And I think he might be at a little higher place now, just given level of competition uh, in the early goings of Bellator versus now. But so he doesn't have too many years left at welterweight before either he has to maybe move up or just kind of peter off. But I mean... He seems to have hell of a chin. He throws with tremendous power and even late into the fight. I mean, he was gassing a little bit uh, there towards the end of the of the third. Otherwise, I think he would have been really be able to put it on and uh, finish Muhammad when he was able to rock him. But I guess we'll see going forward. Next up, Raquel Pennington was a minus 150 favorite over Marion Renault, plus 130. Pennington won the decision. That's all I have to say about that. Mike, do you have anything about this fight before we move on to an amazing co-main event? Nah, I was pretty much spot on with what we thought would happen. We thought Raquel Pennington would uh, win a unanimous a decision, and I, I believe that's what what happened. She, uh, it, it, what I said about Mary Marino, you know, sweet girl, great jujitsu, but her takedowns are are terrible, non-existent, and and you saw that in this fight because she was, it, it was there wasn't anything there takedown wise wrestling wise but it is what it is she's a 43 plus year old woman and she looks great does did a great job but Raquel Pennington looked a lot better than she has in a long time but it was Marion Renault striking in the co-main event Josh Emmett basically tears something in his knee in the first like 10 seconds of the fight like it's 
rewatching it, it's crazy how early in the fight that happened. And he just kept pushing. He was landing so hard on Shane Burgos. So kudos to Shane Burgos for having a damn chin on him. I mean, he got hit so clean so many times, sent his head rocking back, and he just kept going with it. Uh, Emmett got the unanimous decision win. Man, Emmett just looked great. Um, I was worried a little bit with the huge Reese disadvantage that he had. It was fairly substantial. And Burgos was landing a lot of head kicks. But I really thought at least Emmett could have put him down at least once and maybe put him out. He didn't quite put him out, but he landed multiple times super hard, like sending uh, Shane Burgos back quite a few steps. And honestly, he just looked great. Um, and considering he did all that stuff with the messed up knee in the early going, it's just super impressive. Mike, how'd you feel about uh, Emmett's performance? And I guess where would you like to see him after this? Oh, man. Uh, T-M-N-T. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is what we shouted out last week, and that's exactly what happened. It was absolutely incredible to see the power that Burgos could handle on his chin. There was over five, six shots from an overhand right that Emmett landed that would have slept everybody. I cannot believe that Burgos had that chin. I mean, I we like you I, we gave him props i said i was worried about burgos boxing he was the better boxer and had it was a little bit more crisp in that department but when it came to the all-around overall everything uh, josh emma was absolutely amazing especially after tearing something in the first round in the initial going i mean there's people that will quit after that and start limping and it's just over so uh, this fight was amazing it was definitely uh, one of the fights of the year candidates for me because uh, I, I just enjoyed every single minute of it. It was it was seriously action-packed. Uh, kudos to both fighters. Stock still both went up on both of them. And uh, the, the, except for the media not uh, moving up the rank of Josh Emmett, which is super uh, disrespectful and absolutely just crazy. Uh, Burgos went down four spots. Emmett didn't move at all. I mean, I that's insane, you know. And Aldo went up one without fighting. Yeah, so it's just convenient. But uh, so I I just love this fight, and I couldn't say enough good things about Josh Emmett, and I'm just so stoked that uh, I picked him last week in our our dorky way. Next up, we're gonna j- oh almost skip the main event. How dare I? Curtis Blades. At the time we recorded, was a minus three ninety favorite versus Alexander Volkov plus three twenty. Blades gets the unanimous decision over five rounds. He did exactly what he promised he would do. I'm a little disappointed just because I thought uh, in the third, fourth, or even fifth round with how much he would be on top of Volkov that he would be able to get a finish at some point. And he was really doing uh, the tail end of the second and early goings of the third, really laying down a lot of ground and pound that petered later as he got tired. But I thought that was going to keep going to a TKO later. Didn't quite happen. Got a little exhausted, but hey completely nullified Volkov for the entire fight. So, and actually did pretty good on the feet when he was there. So he did what he's going to do and got 90 and 90 as opposed to just betting it all on wild haymakers and maybe losing it and only getting half that. So I don't have too much thoughts besides that. I still like his chances in the future to one day be UFC champion. Um, I am a huge homer for Curtis blades. Obviously I've said that in past podcasts, he's a Chicago guy. Huge fan of him in that Shy regard. Town. Big fan of him in that regard. So I'm always a little biased, um, but it was a dominant win. Mike, anything specific for this main event, Blades versus Volkov? I mean, it, it went pretty much how uh, we thought it would go. It just we we knew that Curtis Blades' wrestling is just is far superior. We didn't know if Volkov could take uh, stuff a takedown. We never seen him really stuff a takedown, and we found out real fast that he can't stuff a takedown. So Curtis Blades did exactly what he should have over a five round fight, especially if that's the way for you to win is to to wrestle the guy because that's your best attribute. And uh, touche to him, and I just hope to see him in the future versus uh, you know some stiffer competition because uh, Volkov is there, but he's not quite that upper upper echelon. So we'll see. Jumping to our upcoming event, UFC on ESPN 12, Poirier versus Hooker. We're going to do some quick picks like we always do. Uh, we have a couple, but we have two bets on this fight card, and we are going to skim over some other ones. Uh, the, obviously, there's a couple really, really good fights on this fight card and some not-so-good fights on this fight card. But, well, at least 
touch on all of them. First off is Jordan Griffin. He is minus 105 versus Yosef Zalal, minus 115. Jordan Griffin at this point is famous for losing to some really good guys and sticking it out to a decision. So I don't necessarily know how good he is in comparison to those people. Uh, Yosef looked great in his UFC debut, but it was against someone who does not have a lot of UFC experience, so I don't know where he is at either. I'm not utterly confident in either. I guess if I have to pick, I'll go Zalal. Uh, Mike, I know you have a little bit more in-depth on this one, so by all means, break down our first fight on Poirier versus Hooker. Yeah, Yusuf Zalal, um, I, I just, I really like this guy, man. I, I'm super impressed with uh, his determination, uh, the fact that he has shown uh, three-round wars that he can keep going and, and be caught in bad submissions, uh, be taken down multiple times and, and almost mentally broken, but still have the, the grit to come back and, and to strike. And to, on some of his losses that were close to the heat, you know, could have possibly won, but he learned a lot during those fights. So I really like uh, Zalal in this fight. I, I think that he has uh, just the, the better mixed martial arts game. Jordan Griffin's definitely tough. Um, he, he'll, he's going to come to fight. This is going to be a very close fight in my in my personal opinion. But I think it will be a, a decision win for the Zalal. Uh, he just has a little bit more to offer. It's a little bit better mixed martial arts game and uh, just more marketable. So I, I think the Zalal would, uh, is going to roll here by decision. Next up, we have some former Invicta fighters, a former Invicta champion in Jin Yu Frey. She is plus 140. She was the Atomweight champ against 20-year-old Kay Hansen, who is minus 160, but more consistent strawweight fighter. This is at strawweight in the UFC. I don't have too much on this in general. Um, I've seen both of them fight in the past in Invicta, but given the fact this is a different weight class, Hansen's so young... Phrase 35 for a really, really lightweight class of 105. And I guess, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'll go with the, the former Invicta champ, but this one I would not follow me on. Uh, Mike, break down Frey versus Hansen. Yeah, Kay Hansen is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu over a 10th planet over here. And uh, she's she's quite impressive in, in the on the ground and i uh, i think that her stockier wrestling base and her determination i i think she, uh could give frey some problems striking because uh, she likes to stay a little bit at length and, and use it with striking so i think that uh she is gonna have a little bit of a problem in the smaller cage the octagon and it's it's gonna favor hansen and the wrestling and i think that she's gonna grind a three-round decision over frey and uh, that's just my personal opinion. Next, after that, we have Takashi Sato, minus 135 versus Ramiz Brahimaj. I'll get that right post-broadcast after hearing a few people say it. Uh, sorry for utterly butchering that. Um, I do like Takashi Sato. I mean, he does have... I mean, he recently lost to Blahu Muhammad, but... We really like Paul Muhammad and has a finisher of Ben Saunders, and Ben Saunders isn't who Ben Saunders once was, but uh, I like his uh, striking ability. Um, I think he's, I don't know, I just like him more in this spot, uh, but that, given that said, I don't know a ton about uh, Ramiz Brahima. Man, I'll get that right at some point. <laughs> um, this will be his UFC debut. Uh, I've been watching. I haven't been watching a lot of LFA recently, so I haven't seen his more recent fights. But it kind of seems to me like he's kind of just getting brought in in this scenario. He's currently eight and two, and obviously, when you have some of these bigger gyms that the UFC becomes close with, like Fortis MMA, where he is training at, you can kind of get put in, especially during this pandemic when they need fighters. So I'm going to stay away from it. But I guess I'll pick Sato just from strictly based off US, UFC experience. Mike, how, where are you on Sato versus Brahima? I feel the same exact way. I think uh, Sato is just has a little bit more experience, and he's just just proven a little bit more uh, to me than uh, the, obviously the newcomer. So I'm gonna I would go with uh, Sato to win. Sato to win. After that, we had a fight that I was actually really excited about, but now it's not happening. Uh, Sean Woodson was a minus two forty five favorite over his original opponent, Kyle Nelson, who's plus two hundred five. 
now it's Julian Arosa, which I would Arosa, I, I would think they would have odds by this by now. Actually, I'll quick try to refresh one last time. I've been trying to refresh since I heard the news uh, this morning, but it's you know, they still don't have it on there. So we don't have odds for this one. I would only assume he's going to be an even bigger favorite over uh, Julian Arosa. So obviously picking Woodson, I really like him here. He is a gigantic featherweight. He's 6'2 with a 79-inch reach and just all around good. <laughs> um, uh, and I've never been high on Rosa just about ever. So I would go Woodson here probably whichever way he wants and likely getting a finish. Um, Mike, anything specific on Woodson versus now Arosa? I mean, if I could get a little bit better odds, uh, Sean Woodson, this is one of those drop me in the alley theories. Um, Sean Woodson will at beat the absolute effing shit out of Erosa in the streets. Erosa would never want to see him in an alley, don't want to see him in the middle of the street, don't want to see him in a park, don't want to see him in a beach. He would wreck him on his feet. Uh, Woodson is going to kill this kid. It's not, it's not going to be close. I mean, mark my words, Woodson is going to come in there and absolutely wreck this kid's body and just wreck his soul. Uh, Erosa is going to be erased after this. Next up, we have a heavyweight fight against heavyweight Canadian super prospect, kind of being facetious there. Tanner Bozer has quite a bit of experience, and he is one of the few good uh, Canadian UFC fighters right now that's not being disparaging towards Canadian fighters. It's just there's not as many in the UFC as there once were. Uh, He has a lot of experience. The downside, though, is he does not have one-shot knockout power. He is very much more of a volume type, which at heavyweight gets tricky because the longer you're in the fight, the better chances you have of getting clipped. Uh, Felipe, Felipe Linz, I've been... I don't want to say impress them because I don't. I really haven't been. I mean, he should have beaten Andre Arlovsky. Uh, I do think he should have beaten him. There was a terrible judges scorecard that he ended up losing that fight. He made his big name for himself in PFL, beating some halfway decent names in there, including a super juiced uh, Alex Nicholson at heavyweight who just did every over, under, around the counter supplement you could possibly ever get. Um, I think I'm going to go with Bozer here, but... No bet whatsoever. Uh, I do think that he could win in the later on in the fight, but if it ends in like the first round or so, it's going to be Linz. But I'm going to pick Bozer here. Mike, what's your pick on this heavyweight fight? Yeah, I'm with you on Bozer here. I, I just think that uh, he's just shown me uh, just more, and that he is. Uh, f- uh, he's just in, in his past on his record he hasn't been finished and uh, Linz has a couple times and our our guy hasn't so I think that Bozer is the right pick here I think that with him not being finished in the past that he would give, be the best bet so next up we have I'm not going to say a big prospect but someone that everyone's fairly high on at least uh, anyone that I have heard uh, Miranda Maverick is fighting uh, let me go in order I have this uh, Mara Romero Barella who's plus 250 and she has won us money in the past but she's a big underdog here for right reasons versus Miranda Maverick who is minus 300 um, pretty, uh, this is a this is the biggest well I guess it's tied for biggest favorite on the fight card unless the odds have changed since but um I'm gonna go with the big favorite here the only thing that I am eyeing that I actually like is Miranda by decision is let me double check that for you guys I believe it's 156 or 154 uh 164 so it's gone up a little bit um I do think she's better than Barella. I do not think she's going to get the finish here. There is a chance, obviously, but obviously plus 164 is much better odds than the minus 300 you're going to get. This is one of the few female MMA fight overs in recent memory that's under minus 200. Actually, it's minus 160 for over two and a half rounds. So if you think it's going to go that long, that might be the way to do it since so many overs are now super juiced because, I mean, they happen way more often than not. Um, I believe one in the last 10 has gone in the under. Mike, anything specific? I know Barella has won you money in the past. Are you going to go with her as a big dog here, or are you going to go with the heavy favorite Maverick? You know, I, I just personally don't know enough about Maverick to for me to ever lay that negative 300 money line down on her. So I would, I, it's dog or pass on this. And uh, Maria Barella has more experience to me. So I, I would definitely uh, favor throwing units on her, flicking something, as opposed to that negative 300 on a lady. 
Next up, we have our first bet of the fight card. Luis Pena is minus 270 versus Kama Worthy, who is plus 225. Once I close my page, just a bit off. But either way, plus 225. And I know what you're thinking. Man, they're going to play that heavy juice on Luis Pena? No. We're going with the underdog here for Kama Worthy, who has some power to him. And then the fact that Luis Pena likes to give fights away, and he should never be this big of a favorite when other than being the ghost of Matt Wyman, hasn't really done enough to earn this kind of favorite status. Um, you may look in past fights of Kama Worthy, and he's getting downplayed a lot because he has been finished a handful of times, I think three or four. But that was when he was cutting a tremendous amount of weight to make 145. Ever since he's gone up to lightweight, he has never been finished. So it could clearly just be one of those situations where he was so dehydrated from going down to 145 that his brain just couldn't handle the damage. That's happened to plenty of guys that when they move up, they seem to get like a second chin, as odd as a statement as that is. So he will bang. He has a lot of power there. And I don't think Lewis, Lewis Penny is very hittable for me. He has almost no striking defense as far as I can tell. This may bite us, but I'm sorry. I don't think Lewis Penny should be this big of a favorite versus just about anybody um, until he proves himself. And I think Kama Worthy has a good shot of putting him out. So we have one unit on Kama Worthy at plus 225 for you guys at a big dog money. Mike, what is your opinion on Lewis Penna versus Kama Worthy? Yeah, in this situation, in this matchup, I, I, Kama Worthy has some dangerous, dangerous power, especially close up in the pocket. Um, I, he's aggressive, and I think that's gonna. It's just a detriment to Pena, who leaves his chin wide open. Um, he doesn't like being pushed backwards. Uh, we saw that in the Frivola fight, and I, I think the Kama Worthy is just that type of a person, and and more agile than Matt Frivola. I, I feel like in, in the striking department, it's just going to be clear as day. And so I, I just can't wait to watch this fight go down because I think the odds are just way too far out of whack. And uh, I, we're going to be putting down that one unit to win that plus 225. And let's roll. Next up, Maurice Green, who recently was submitted by Alexi Olenek, is fighting John Volante, who's plus 195, a.k.a. Chris Weidman's beta male, a.k.a. what should be a light heavyweight, fighting at heavyweight because he's too lazy to make light heavyweight, who everyone thinks is a wrestler because he's friends with Chris Weidman, but he was never actually a wrestler. He was a kickboxer and football player. Sorry, that's a lot on John Volante. Sorry, he's lost me a lot of money in the past because he has clear openings for wins, and he likes to just brawl. Um, Maurice Green likes to brawl as well. So, I mean, Green should absolutely clean John Volante out of there. Like, he should land big, and Volante should cower back, throw wildly, chin up in the air, and get put out. But it's John Volante, and he shows flashes of brilliance. So, I'm picking Green, but I am not by no means putting any bit of money, thought of money, change... Bitcoin, gold I have in storage, cents I find on the street, pockets of lint, anything anywhere near a John Volante fight. He's cost me too much money in the past. Mike, anything for this heavyweight fight of Maurice Green versus Chris Weidman's brother? Not real brother. Wishes he was his brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Volante's uh, frustrating at times, man. I mean, sometimes you think he's got a good striker there who's trying to fight well, and then sometimes uh, just came there to have some hot dogs and pizza after. So I don't, I, I can't quite tell what, what he's there for at, at all times. And so there's no way that I would lay down uh, even money on his dog ass, nor would uh, Maurice Green and that negative 235 is, is pretty ruthless too so i definitely recommend staying away from this fight in general uh but you know if you want to get crazy uh dude i'd go with maury screen by tkok or something but i I wouldn't even touch this fight seriously like i I know i don't need to bring it up but it was way before the show and everything like that i had a bet on john volante versus Tom Lawler, they were fighting at light heavyweight, so Lawler was going up. I had him parlayed. He was minus 200 or so, minus 220. I had him parlayed with TJ Dillashaw 
in TJ D- in Dillashaw versus Barrow two when he was only a minus two hundred favorite and ended up like setting a high record score of combination striking on Barrow's face. But Volante got laid out by Tom Lawler. By Tom Lawler, man. Tom Lawler doesn't have power. So I don't know. I just, it just brings up flashbacks, and I just can't have any money tied up anywhere near him on either side because he just he's that type of dude. Uh, next up, Brandon Allen is minus three hundred. Man, that is steep. Sorry, he was a guy that I was looking to bet on this fight card, but then now he's this steep against Kyle Daukus. Go with that way, Mike. You break down this fight first. Where are you with Brandon Allen, the huge minus three hundred favorite versus Kyle Daukus? Oh, man, this is a little confusing for me. Kyle Dacus has some really, really good jiu-jitsu, and uh, most of his fights he's won by some impressive ones, uh, a couple Darces, and it, he's you know one of the highest-ranked fighters in the country uh, right now. He's number six in the United States, number one in New Jersey, number one Northeast, or number two North U.S. Northeast, and number one Pennsylvania. I, uh, I like what I see in the sense of his uh, submission game. I, uh, Brandon Allen, I, I don't know if he's going to be worried about that. So I think Brandon Allen is going to be able to roll here. Uh, but I, I, I definitely would not bet this fight. And I, 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 if you would, it would be an underdog shot on uh, a submission by the jiu-jitsu stud. I tend to side with Allen here. Obviously, he's way too big of a favorite, but that's where my pick would be. Um, I really, really like, I mean, obviously last time out, him beating Tom Breeze isn't saying much because we've talked some real smack about Tom Breeze and his uh, anxiety attacks going into fights and everything like that. But I think his uh, second round rear naked choke over Kevin Holland is really, really impressive. Um, That's more what I hold him on and kind of the Tom Breeze fight kept me at that level, not up or down at all. But he obviously needs a little bit more seasoning, but uh, I'm really looking forward to this kid going forward. I mean, he's only 24. He's a decent reach for the size. Like, he's young, fighting at middleweight. Like, he's definitely got uh, some chance to be something big in the division. So I'll pick him, but obviously no bet. Minus 300 is crazy steep. Uh, next up, we're going to the co-main event. Yes, we are already there. Mickey Gall. Yes, Mickey Gall is back. He is plus 255 versus Mike Perry, who's minus 310. Mike Perry should roll here. He should absolutely roll here he is strong enough to stay on his feet he has more power in his hands he does like to brawl but if he's a little bit smart with it and doesn't just like dive into a choke he should clean house here obviously it's a little bit worrisome that his only corner for this fight is his girlfriend and for all of those of you who thought this was a joke that's real they have posted photos of her official credentials and she is going to be in his corner So that's very worrisome in general, especially if it goes out of the first round. And honestly, Mickey Gall is tough enough to go into the second round. And after one round goes, I don't necessarily think Perry's going to have much of a plan. So, I mean, skill-wise, he's still the much better fighter. But I don't know. Uh, I think it's... This one's hard for me because I do think, absolutely think Mike Perry should annihilate Mickey Gall. Um, Unless Mickey Gall has made tremendous strides recently, which is possible. I know he's continually training. Um, He trains with Jim Miller, who just won, um, among other people in the New Jersey area. There's decent uh, people he's training with out there, but man, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I, I got a weird feeling about this fight, just everything in regards to Mike Perry. So I guess if you're feeling the dog... You can go with it right now. He's let's see if it's changed at all as of last time I checked. It's plus two fifty five. Let's see if it's still that. Uh, he is yeah, still plus two fifty five, and that's probably only going to climb. But everything about Mike Perry has me nervous to bet Mike Perry here. So I don't know unless you're feeling the dog. But I guess that's my odd breakdown for this fight, Mike. How do you feel about this? Unique co-main event. There, there was going to be a different co-main event, but uh, it was going to be Lad versus McMahon. But Lad injury got that away and bumped this one up. So apparently, Michal is co-main event worthy. So thoughts on this co-main event fight, Mike? Yeah, I think that uh, Mike Perry is absolutely dominant uh, in in every way. On standing on the feet, I don't think he's going to be worried about the submission threat. He's fought off a, a, a few. Pretty decent grapplers, better grapplers than Mickey Gall, in my opinion. I think that Mike Perry uh, 
any day of the week in the streets in the alley anywhere would uh would, would punish mickey gall so I, i'm gonna go with uh tko ko by uh mike perry and, uh, and i think they'll be uh first second round it's quick you quick getting you the numbers for that if that is your lean mike perry tko is minus 140 Perry inside the distance is minus one sixty. So if you want that little bit of safety, although yeah, that's gross. Perry going for submission is very unlikely. So if you if you really like Perry and you think he's gonna get the finish, minus one forty is obviously way better than minus three ten. Once but, it has those type of numbers, I, it's almost troll, and I would go with the decision by Mike Perry now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you go Perry by decision is plus three hundred, so completely flipping his line. That's that's <laughs> that's something that because it's now a finish seems fishy, so maybe the unanimous. That would be funny. Uh, the main event is one hell of a fight. It is Dustin Poirier minus two twenty currently. Versus Dan Hooker, plus 180. This is an amazing fight. This is a great fight. I'm so happy that Poirier is fighting again. He's had about a nine-month layoff since losing the unifying belt. Well, he technically lost his interim belt, but he lost it to the current champion. So he didn't gain the interim. Anyway, he lost his belt um, to Khabib Nurmagomedov nine months ago, uh, last September. And now he's fighting against Dan Hooker, who was surging for a long time, especially once bumping up to lightweight. His current great claim to fame is he has a first-round finish over Gilbert Burns, who is about to, is getting a title shot at welterweight. But, I mean, Hooker does have some, some pretty staunch losses. I mean, I know, like, he lost decision to Jason Knight. Lost decision to uh, Yarodriguez. Yarodriguez is good, but... Has decision loss to Maximo Blanco. I know th- these are all at featherweight. Okay, so we'll bump up to lightweight. He has a loss to Edson Barboza. Now, I love Edson Barboza. I think he's phenomenal. He took such a beating in that fight, like tremendous, and then went down from a body punch in the third round and was just utterly spent. He had a little bit of reprieve because his next fight, he was going against James Vick, who leaves his chin up in the air, and he was able to get him out in the first round. That's awesome. He beat Iaquina in a close decision. Uh, on the Whitaker Adesanya card, so it was in his backyard, basically. Uh, and then a split where we actually bet him against Felder. I thought he was going to destroy Felder. I thought it was he was so much better than him. He was going to put hands on him. I thought it was going to be clear. It was squeaky close that a lot of people scored it for Felder. We I mean, We got the win on uh, Hooker. I believe he was minus 150 when we had that bet. But So we got the win, but man, it was close. I just think Dustin Poirier is going to be able to outstrike him. He's a little bit craftier than him. I know everyone's going to say city kickboxing striking, city kickboxing striking, which I agree for Adesanya, but, I mean, I think Poirier is a better striker than Hooker. I just do. I think he carries more power and later. I think he is a more devastating submission threat. So... Mike, I will give you the breakdown of this fight before I spoil our bet, and then you can by all means give out our bet for this main event. Yes, we are betting a main event because we've been waiting for a really, really damn good one, and here it is. Yeah, man. Uh, you know we're huge Dustin Diamond Poirier fans. Uh, I I just respect the guy so much. He's just improved so much over the years. His striking is absolutely amazing, and uh, his hidden talent is how good his jujitsu is. And uh, Dan Hooker's jujitsu is not even close to the same level as um, Dustin Diamond Poirier. Dustin Diamond Poirier's Jiu-jitsu is seriously so far above Dan Hooker. You're, if we get the chance to see it, you're going to see it uh, very easily this weekend. I, I just fully believe that uh, Dustin Poirier has the pressure. He has the volume. He's going to throw shots to the body, knowing that Hooker has a weak body similar to Cowboy's Achilles heel on the body. Uh, there's, there's no, to me, there's no absolute way that Hooker stays standing through all five. Uh, he's falling sometime uh, between the third and the fourth, and I just, it, it's going to be something like that. So we're, we're definitely throwing down the money on uh, uh, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. We got him at negative two ten, so we're throwing down the point or two point one units on him to make one unit. I believe in him 100%. I, I would almost slam my whole house on him. My uh, my my firstborn, uh, don't take me too serious, but literally that's how confident I am on this dude. But 
Dustin Diamond Poirier is going to do his thing this weekend and go have himself some some chicken and Louisiana hot sauce. Now, even though we just said it, quick review of our two bets for this fight card. We have one unit on comma worthy at plus 225 to win you 2.25 units. We also have Dustin, the Diamond Poirier, minus 210 to win one unit, so that's 2.1 units to win you one unit at the minus 210 like mike said those are our two bets as a quick review well we will be back next week to review this fight card as well as possibly some special stuff coming your guys way but don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice apple podcast spotify google podcast overcast pocket cast and rss feed Yes, we are on YouTube. We have the full-length show. We have smaller breakdowns. We have tidbits. We have everything you could possibly want from the show, plus more. Like, comment, and share to spread the word. And with that, let's let's roll. roll.